Pastor Jay. If, uh, if you're new with us, just want to say welcome. Glad to have you here with us. And uh, we are going to be talking about prayer today. Uh, we started last week talking about prayer and the idea of a prayer life. And the idea that uh, prayer should not just be something we do, but really um, it should be something that almost falls into the category of defining who we are. That it's part of who we are. It's part of the very fabric of our being. And I talked about the idea of prayer having a ripple effect on our life. And everybody walked out of here with, uh, with a rock, and hopefully uh, you took that rock and you put that somewhere that you could see this past week that reminded you of really the ripple effect that prayer can have on your life and reminded you to pray more often. If, if you weren't here uh, last week and you would like to, uh, to get one of those rocks, we have some more. And, uh, and you can certainly uh, take one. There are also plenty of rocks on earth that you can find um, because God made a lot of them um, to help you get that idea across. So um, that ripple effect idea, though, when you throw a rock into a body of water and the ripples go across the entire thing, I'd propose to you that prayer, in many ways, can be that in our life. It can have that ripple effect that affects everything that we do, that affects who we are, that affects the way God moves in our life. The ripple effect of prayer um, is huge. It can have an impact on your entire life. And, uh, and so we started with this verse in 1 Thessalonians. And so if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app, uh, you can follow along there. Um, and, uh, and we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, and we're also going to be in uh, the book of Matthew in a few minutes as well. But I want to start with this verse in 1 Thessalonians where Paul says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And in this verse, we see principles of Jesus, and we see the importance of prayer. But this week, I want to talk about the logistics. I want to talk about the logistics of prayer, because I think it's something that's maybe not addressed enough. Um, and there is also an aspect of this, a piece of this, that I want to add to it that in many ways uh, gets left out, uh, whether intentionally or because maybe we don't completely understand it, that I believe can give you an upgrade. You know, prayer can be an intimidating thing for people. Prayer can be a very intimidating thing for people. Just like public speaking, a public prayer is something that can freak a lot of people out. It can freak a lot of us out. And, uh, and, and it's really scary. But even praying in private can be intimidating to us a lot of times. And, and it's funny because Jesus actually talks more about uh, and, and, and does pray in private uh, more, than, more than anything else when it comes to the topic of prayer. But you know, it's something that we fret over. It's something that we overthink. It's something that, uh, that maybe the other side of it too, where we just don't think about it enough. We don't even put enough emphasis on it. And you know, one of the biggest excuse statements that you would hear and or questions which is legit, but it can also be an excuse statement uh, in many ways, would be something like this. I don't know what to say or where to start. I've heard this many times. I've heard this many times from people when talking about prayer. I don't know, I, I don't know what to say or where to start. And it's a legit question. And you know, I think questions like this are questions that we should be able to walk in here and to be able to ask. I think a lot of times maybe there are more people in this room that have this question than would maybe admit it out loud. Because sometimes a question like this makes us feel inferior. 
We walk in and we think that coming to church, I have to have it all together and that you know, I should know these spiritual disciplines and, and all of that stuff, when in fact, nothing could be further from the truth because if we had it all together, why would we even need to be here, right? This is what we need each other, we need church for. And so I think it's okay to ask you know, hard questions and to be able to say, like, we're gonna put this out there and, and talk this through. So what do we say about this? Because what's funny is the disciples asked Jesus the exact same question in a, in a different way, but they, they virtually asked him the same thing. Lord, I don't know what to say or where to start. So let's go right to the word of God. Because when we have questions about things, unfortunately, we go to Google instead of God. Both start with G, both give us very different answers. So let's go to the word of God, which is where we should go when we have questions, especially significant questions. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. And we're going to read a, a lot of this today. So let's start here in verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers were answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. I love that part of the verse. That's just a, a great promise, that our father knows exactly what we need before we ask him. Verse 9, he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I intentionally read that in a different translation, because a lot of times when we hear the Lord's Prayer, we always think it through in like King James. But I think it's important for us to read it in a different translation here for this so that you can see the principles that are involved here. Because the principles that Jesus lays out are this, that we should thank God for his mighty power, that we should thank him, that we should ask for his help to obey and demonstrate the kind of perfect love that, we have, that he has here on earth, to ask him to meet our needs, Note he doesn't say give us all our wants. He says meet our needs. To ask for his protection and strength to fight against sin and, and the grace to help us forgive those who hurt us. And maybe you've seen this before, but I, but I want to give you something very practical to think through because it can be intimidating to say, well, where do I even start? So I want to give you this acrostic, and maybe you've seen it before, and it's the acrostic of the word ACTS, A-C-T-S, just like the book of ACTS, so think about it that way. And so it stands for four things. It stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And these are things that we can go through. These are principles that Jesus hits in the Lord's Prayer. And basically it's this. Adoration, you give God praise and honor for who he is and Lord over all. These are in your notes as well. Confession, honestly deal with the sin in your life. Thanksgiving, verbalize what you're grateful for in your life and in the world around you. And supplication, pray for the needs of others and yourself and be specific. Notice only one of those had to do with praying for what we need. The other three did not. But yet a lot of times we flip that, don't we? See, the progression here of this is intentional. It's intentional, but, but it's not always necessary. Jesus 
did pray many times, but he didn't always pray this exact way. When you find all of Jesus' different prayers, he doesn't say this exact thing every single time. In fact, John 17 is nothing but a prayer of Jesus, the entire chapter. If you want a little homework for the week, go read John, John chapter 17. It's nothing but a prayer of Jesus. And a lot of it is praying for you and for me. But you'll find these principles, but you won't find, it, you won't find a cookie cutter. You won't find him praying the exact prayer every time. And so when we put pressure on ourselves and all of those kinds of things, I want you to remember this. Don't be confident in the words that you say, but in the God that you serve. Don't be confident in the words that you say. Be confident in the God that you serve. We can't put so much pressure on ourselves. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. It's, it's not a business meeting or a presentation or, you know, or a sales pitch to God. <laughs> it's, it's just communication with your heavenly father. It's communicating with him. Now, it should be in a respectful and heartfelt, passionate, and specific way. I think too many times we don't get specific enough with God. We just do the blanket prayer. And God wants to hear specifically from us. But you know, when, when you intimately know someone, when you know someone really well, you can really pour out, pour out your heart to them without fear of getting it right. Somebody that you know and love and that you know really well and loves you, they're not, they're not going to look at you differently if, if when you're pouring your, your heart out to them that, boy, they, they sure didn't say that right. They didn't say that with the, with the proper these, thous, and those. You know what I mean? God cares much more about uh, the words, uh, the, the, the posture of our heart than the words that we say. But Jesus continues here. See, a lot of times people, when, when we're talking about prayer, we stop. We stop right after that verse. And, and there's times and places for that. But, but if you look at this, Jesus moves right on. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, the very next verse, and here's what he says. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Fasting, as used in the Bible, really means not to eat or self-denial. Self-denial. And if you really kind of summarize biblical fasting, it really shows um, someone to be choosing not to, uh, not to have food because their, their spiritual hunger is so deep. So they're choosing to put aside their physical needs because their, their hunger for the Lord is so deep. So it kind of brings us to this question of why fast. So why fast? Why is this something that we should do? Well, first of all, there's a couple of things. And this might be difficult to hear, but this is an, this is an obedience issue, quite frankly. Because if you notice in that verse, Jesus doesn't say, and when you get around to fasting, or if you feel like it, he says, when you fast. Every translation, it says, when you fast. When you fast. It's implied that this is something that we should be doing. You know, when we get to a place maybe in our life where our determination in prayer, it's so intense, or the spiritual warfare in our life is so demanding that we maybe temporarily set aside 
our physical needs so that we can give ourselves more wholly to prayer and to seeking God's will. It's an amazing thing. Amazing things happen. But Jesus goes immediately there next. So, right, the, the disciples ask him, God, I don't know what to do or what to say. I don't, I don't know how to, how, to, how to do this, how to do this prayer thing. So he gives, them, he gives them the principles of prayer and then immediately goes to him. And when you fast, and he starts talking about that. Those that were followers of the way, as it was called in the time, those who followed Jesus, it was just something that was assumed was a part of their life. Bottom line, believers pray and fast. Believers pray and fast. And I can tell you that from various examples in the Bible, various examples in the Bible where significant blessing, significant blessing came out of prayer and fasting. And I want to give you those, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to take you through not every single one of them, but I want to give you a lot of them real quick here so that you can see this isn't just something that we pulled out of one verse or anything like that. This is something that is throughout all of Scripture. I'm going to start with the Old Testament and work my way up for just a minute. And let me just give you a few of these things. So, so listen to this. Deuteronomy 9, Moses prays and fasts, and it held back God's judgment. In 1 Samuel, Hannah gets an answer to prayer, and the birth of Samuel is that. In Judges chapter 20 and 2 Chronicles 20, there's unexpected victories in battle for Israel because of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting provided God's protection for Ezra as they traveled. God gave plans and provision for Nehemiah to repair the wall in Jerusalem because of prayer and fasting. It rescued the nation because of Esther and her people praying and fasting. It leads to unanswered prayer, or answered prayers, I'm sorry, of setting the oppressed free, providing you, uh, providing for the hungry and homeless, healing, and the glory of God to surround you in Isaiah chapter 58. Daniel was rewarded with better health from it in Daniel chapter 1. It was made possible to receive revelation from the Lord for Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, brought a nation back to God in Joel chapter 2 verse 12, prepares us for the return of Jesus in Joel chapter 2 in Luke. City of Nineveh would have been destroyed without it in Jonah chapter 3. Fasting obeys an implied command from Jesus, as I've already said, um, in Matthew chapter 6. The early church, I wonder if, maybe you didn't know this, the early church in the book of Acts, when they first started, every Wednesday and every Friday, every week, they prayed and fasted. Every week. Every Wednesday, every Friday. It's powerful in spiritual warfare. Matthew 17. Pray and fasting help turn the world upside down. Increases spiritual power and prepares us for greater impact. Jesus fasted for 40 days and he was God. He fasted for 40 days and he was God. Did he have to? No, but it was important to him. It was important to him and here's the interesting thing. His power, his miracles, all of those things, they didn't show up until after that. They, they showed up after he spent time praying and fasting. Fasting also aids in decision-making for the early church in Acts chapter 13 and 14. And so in light of all that, and that's not all of them, those are just some that I pulled out. So in light of all of that, the question really should change from why fast to why don't I do this more often? When you see all of the examples in scripture of this, you know, we have Disney Plus and we have Apple TV Plus and ESPN Plus this is like prayer plus, you know? It's like an upgrade. It's an upgrade and this is the best streaming service you'll ever subscribe to, quite frankly. When you pray 
And when you fast, your heart and your mind will slow. I find that, I find that dichotomy interesting because it's true. When you fast, your heart and your mind will slow, meaning that you can target things better that God wants to do in your life. You will be able to focus and God will bring things into focus that maybe you've never noticed that you've never seen in a way that, that can only come through prayer and fasting. So should we just go to God anytime we need something or anytime we want something and just say, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to pray and fast, pray and fast about this and it's going to just show up. Uh, no, that's not exactly the way that it works. See, that, that would be like manipulating God. This is not manipulating God. See, when you manipulate someone, manipulating is, uh, is really getting my way at your expense. That's manipulation. That's getting my way at your expense. That's not what this is. And this isn't persuasion either because persuading, persuasion is causing you to believe something. That's me causing you to believe something. And that's also not what this is. This is influence. This is influence. In influence, it's the capacity to have an effect on. We can have an effect on. Your heart and your mind will slow and align more with the Father. Talked about that a little bit last week. That's what happens during prayer. So why is fasting and praying important? Well, fasting, um, it will help build and grow your spiritual life. There's, there's a few things that I've said this about, and I'll say this about fasting as well. If, if you pray and fast and tell me that you're not closer to God, boy, I'd be really surprised to find that. I'd be really surprised to find that in your life. If you, if you diligently pray and fast and tell me that you don't feel closer to God in that moment. And after that time, it will grow your spiritual life. But fasting also shows, I don't know really a better way to say this, fasting shows God that you're serious. It shows God that you're serious because you're willing to, as funny as it sounds, put your money where your mouth is in some ways. We've heard that phrase. In many ways, that's kind of what this is. But when you fast and pray, you may want to ask God something along these lines. Lord, please do in me what you need to do and do for me what you want to do. See, that's a much different perspective. The idea behind fasting is to do without something so that our focus is really directed toward and relying on God. And, and if we concern ourselves with the things that God's uh, already going to handle anyway, then how much faith do we really have? And so as we've seen from, from the Bible and, and from the history of, in, in Scripture, full of examples of the power of prayer and fasting to turn the tide and make a difference. It was the difference maker in so many places. And it really comes down to two main reasons for biblical fasting. Two main reasons. Direction and liberation. Direction and liberation. Well, let's talk about direction here for just a second. Psychologists actually tell us that when there is no food in the stomach, that there is actually greater blood flow to the brain. So as weird as this might sound, it's science, right? When you're fasting, your brain can actually focus better. You can think clearer when you're not digesting Chipotle. It's possible. Once you, once you get over like the first hunger pains, and, and your focus actually becomes much more clear as opposed to wanting to take a nap because you just pounded a Whopper. <laughs> it's true. 
the direction that you need. You, you may be in a spot where you need direction in life and, and you need a direction in a particular area. Maybe an area that you just you don't know what to do and you're, and you're trying to figure out and you need wisdom and you need guidance and you need direction. Let me just challenge you to take it to the Lord in prayer and fasting. And the other one would be liberation. And liberation meaning you feel oppressed or you feel bound and you feel, um, you feel maybe hassled by a sin problem in your life. The spiritual warfare is just beating you down. Fasting is a powerful weapon in that. Because when you say no to your stomach and you say yes to prayer, something happens. Something happens and, and, and you begin to say no to other temptations that hassle you. And when your stomach... <laughs> starts to hassle you. Your stomach starts to hassle you. You get that, that pain because of the worry or the anxiety about a situation. I've had that before. You get that knot like right here. You know what I'm talking about. You just say no and you start praying. And you start praying. If you need direction, you need liberation in your life, skip lunch and seek the Lord and you watch what happens. It may not be in your time, but I promise you, he will do something. He will move in a way that maybe you don't see coming. So let's get practical for a second. How should I fast? How should I fast? How, how, how does this actually work? Well, it's funny because intermittent fasting is like all the rage now. You know, it's like one of those things, right? Who's, who's Team Orange? We got Team Orange here? Yeah, all right. Team Gray, I'm sure you're here somewhere. Um, so that's fine. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, the donuts, by the way, Team Gray, get them. Um, but <laughs> intermittent fasting is all the rage right now. And it's really funny because, you know, like God came up with it like 5,000 years ago. And now all of a sudden it's like, wow, this thing. <laughs> Who would have known? Oh, maybe God did. But here's the thing. Let's add prayer to that. Let's add prayer and make it more valuable than we can possibly imagine. It's not just weight loss, it's spiritual gain. It's coming closer to the Lord. In the Bible, there are individual fasts and there are corporate fasts. And, um, and there are even uh, an entire church or an entire nation uh, that have fasted. In Jonah chapter three, Esther uh, chapter four, Second Chronicles 20, you've got entire nations fasting there. And there are several types of fasting. And the one that you choose is between you and God um, but he will honor your best sacrifice. He will honor your best sacrifice. So hear that right at the beginning here before we start, before I get into a few more logistics. And if you are just starting out, if this is something you've maybe never done, I've got three types of fasting um, that I would recommend. Now, there are, there are many other types than this, um, but these are three types that, that you can maybe begin with. All right, you've got your full fast where you drink only liquids, uh, and, and really, you establish the number of days, but I would honestly begin with one. Um, the Daniel fast, you eat no meat uh, and no sweets and no bread, and you drink water and juice, and you eat fruits and vegetables. A few of you are vegetarians, and you're like, I'm already doing that. It doesn't count. <laughs> Partial fast. Partial fast would be uh, maybe from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. or sunup to sundown. That's just a suggestion there. Uh, but that, that's a lot of the ways the disciples did it. Um, if there was a, um, you know, if they were doing a, a partial fast there. Um, but here's the, here's the thing, though. Don't, don't make up your own rules when it comes to this. I heard Elmer Towns say this one time. He said, if God hasn't spoken, don't make rules. 
If God hasn't spoken, don't make rules. God doesn't measure what goes in your mouth, but what comes out of your heart. I want you to hear that in this. God is not measuring what goes into your mouth. He's measuring what's coming out of your heart. So if you're going to start with a one-day fast, consider that maybe 24-hour day, you know, 24 hour fast. And, and, and the way that the, uh, the apostles did it and the disciples did it was they went from sundown one day to sundown the next. That was the way in which they did it. But quite frankly, it's not like God's going to look at your fast unfavorably if you do it a different way. As I said, it has much more to do with your heart than what goes into your mouth. But let me say this, write this down. They say that when you, when you have a goal, when, when you have a goal that if you write it down, you're more than likely you're, or you're more likely to follow through with it. So if this is something that you're feeling pressed about, write it down. Write down your goal. And maybe one day this week, uh, you, can, you can put things into place to, to do this. And, and so you write it down. Write down a time to begin and a time to end. And write down what you want to see, what, what you want to see God do. And take those times that maybe you would be eating and those times where, where your stomach starts rumbling and dedicate those times to prayer. Dedicate those times to prayer. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a minute. But, you know, proper fasting also doesn't harm your health. So let me just put that disclaimer out there right now. I don't need a phone call from somebody saying I'm in the hospital because Pastor Jay told me to pray and I haven't eaten since Sunday and it's Friday. All right? Uh, no. All right? Let's be smart. Some of us maybe have health conditions that, that would not allow us to, you know, to, to fast it in these ways. There are other ways to do it. I've seen this social media fast. I've seen that there's a lot of students that, hey, put your phone down fast. Go a long way. Parents are like, amen. There's, there's all kinds of different ways because really it has to do with, with self-denial. But the way that it was done in Scripture was through food. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a way that you can do it. But um, prayer, it's, it's a, uh, fasting, it's a discipline that allows God to really transform you little by little. It really will happen step by step as you humble yourself and you seek his face. Let me give you a couple important things, though, about fasting. First, and I've alluded to this, prayer should, uh, your fasting should be specific. Fasting should be specific. Specifically, what are you going to the Lord for? What, what is this for specifically? Every example in scripture that we looked at earlier, when the people prayed and fasted, it was for a specific reason, for a specific purpose, and with a specific plan. There was a plan in place. So make a plan, and during your time of fasting, you're, you're taking the focus off of your stomach and you're transferring that focus to prayer. But I would recommend carving out a specific time a specific time of day that you can get alone with the Lord. I know that the times that I've done this, there's, there's been times where I've, I've made sure to carve out a time in my day where I've just gotten alone with the Lord or maybe a couple of times that day so that, so that you can just really dedicate to prayer without any other distractions around. Honestly, we should do that more often even without fasting. But maybe it's mealtime, right? It's already built in. You've already got that alone time. Maybe instead of going out to, to get a meal, if you just stay in your car and you just spend that time with the Lord. There's different ways to do this if you think it through. The other thing is that fasting is a private practice. This is important. Fasting is a private practice. Jesus even said it in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 18 that we've already read. He said, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. This is not something to brag about. This is not something to publicize or post on your Insta story. I don't want to see any TikToks of people 
fasting, okay? Like that doesn't, that doesn't fly. That's not what this is. This is a private, intimate time with the Lord, and it will revolutionize your walk with him. This isn't something we walk around bragging about. There's a missionary named uh, Wesley Duell, who was a missionary to the Orient for over 60 years. Did some amazing things for the Lord. And he had this quote that he said about this. He said, when you face an overwhelming need, a human impossibility, and your soul hungers to see God intervene by supernatural power, add fasting. So my connection point for the day is to upgrade your prayer life with fasting. Upgrade your prayer life with fasting. You add fasting and everything changes. You make your life into, and you focus on making your life into a prayer life as we've talked about already. And you incorporate prayer as just a part of who you are and everything changes. You add fasting to this. You got an upgrade happening. You see God move in amazing ways. And that doesn't mean that every request that you make, everything that you pray and fast about, that you pray and fast about is gonna be answered in the way that you want. That's not what this says. But things will change. I'm telling you, things will change, either in you or in the circumstance. And usually, the change in you affects the circumstance. God has a way of doing that. See, this is an obedience issue, as we already talked about, to take your prayer life to the next level when you fast, as Jesus said. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that allows God to transform you little by little, step by step, and it will humble you. And God doesn't measure what goes into your mouth, but what comes out of your heart. Would you stand with me? I would ask you to consider fasting for one day. For one day this week. Maybe it's from sundown to sundown, something along those lines. Maybe it's sunup to sunup. I believe as a church that we need to fast and pray for the future. Quite frankly, I think if we don't, if we aren't people of prayer, if we aren't fasting and praying for our future, it's not going to happen. I believe that for phase two, the next phase of what we're going to do, it's not just a building. Yes, do we need that building? Why do we need that building? It's not just so that we can say we've got another building. It's so that the kingdom of God can be expanded and people can be reached for him. And I believe this is something that we need to commit to in, with prayer and fasting, but it has to begin with you individually. So I would challenge you this week, if maybe, there's, maybe there is something specific in your life that you can think, boy, I've just been wrestling with this. Pray and fast about it. But if you, if you want something to pray and fast about for your church, I would ask you to pray and fast this week about phase two and the next phase of, of Connect Church and where we want to go. Why for that? Well, as I mentioned, because the mission is at stake. And I believe God can and will use 
the next phase to further his mission and his kingdom through his people. But we've got to make a commitment to dedicate time to seek his face and seek his wisdom in this. Would you bow with me? Father, I love you. Lord, I thank you, God, for your love for us. God, I thank you for your word that is so clear and so true. God, I thank you that you choose to use things like prayer and fasting to draw us close to you so that we can can hear your heart. Lord, I pray that we would seek your face. I pray as a church, Father, that we would come together and that we would seek your wisdom. We would seek your will for where you want to take us. God, I pray for each of us individually. Lord, I know that we've all got different things happening in our lives right now. And God, you want to hear from us. And sometimes the distractions in this world, even something as distracting as the next meal, can pull us away from hearing your still small voice. So Lord, I pray that we would all take this challenge, this uncomfortable challenge, if we're being honest, that we would take this serious and that we would seek your face and that your still small voice would actually be screaming in our ears, Father, because we want to hear from you. Lord, you love us so much and we can come to you at any time. God, help us to prioritize prayer in the way that we should. Lord, if there is one here that doesn't know you, God, I hope that today they have heard about a God that's not given us rules and regulations, but, but a God that, that wants to remove some things so that we can hear from, from you. God, that you love us so much. You gave your only son to die for us so we can spend eternity with you in heaven. And Lord, if there is one here that doesn't know you, Lord, maybe they've been asking questions. Maybe they've been trying to figure this out. Lord, today might be the day that they come to know you as Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that that would happen. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just continue to move through this service in such a powerful and mighty way, God, that that if someone here maybe does have some questions and wants to know you more, Lord, that, that they would maybe even come down and speak to me or speak to someone at the orange wall, speak to the person next to them, but more importantly, to speak to you. Father, continue to move now as we worship you. In Jesus' name.